Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Today, we especially want to honor women and, in particular, mothers. I want to express my deepest appreciation to my own mother, Petrula, who has been a wonderful mother across these years. I also want to honor my wife, Cindy, who has been a marvelous mother to our two children and is now a fantastic grandmother to our four grandchildren. Praise the Lord. A mother's love sets the standard. If you talk about degrees of love, you, uh, you don't get much higher than a mother's love. Think about it. Have you heard the old saying, he has a face which only a mother could love? You heard that? Well, I think you realize that's actually a put-down, but it says a lot about how great a mother's love really is. Mothers just love their children, and we feel special because of that. When I was in university, one day there was a terrible collision, a major accident between a GO train and a TTC bus at an intersection near our home. The crash happened around the time when I usually got home from my university classes. My mother saw the results of the crash on the television news before I got home. And I don't know exactly how and why she thought this, but for some reason she thought I was one of the victims, victims of the crash. When I walked into the house, I found my mother worried and crying big time. When she saw I was alive, she just, uh, she just kept showering me, showering me with her love. Until she told me about the news report, I didn't even know about the terrible accident that had happened not far from our house. Think of all the things your mother taught you. Do you remember at least some of the things you learned from her? One man was thinking about uh, what he learned from his mom. And he said the following, he said, my mother taught me, my mother taught me to appreciate a job well done when she said, if you are going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. Uh, he further said, my mother taught me about religion when she said, you better pray, you better pray that stain will come out of the carpet. He said, my mother taught me about time travel when she said, if you don't smarten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Uh, he said, my mother taught me about logic when I said, Mom, why do I have to do that? My mother said, because I said so, that's why. <laughs> he says, my mother taught me foresight. She said, make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get into an accident. He goes on, my mother taught me about stamina. She said, you will sit there until you finish eating your spinach. Did you ever have that happen? He says, my mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. 
My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope, I hope they turn out just like you. Oh, well, just having some fun with you. <clears throat> As I speak these words, I want to express my deepest sympathy and love to many of you whose mother or grandmother or other special women in your life have passed away in recent days, recent weeks. For others of you, it's been a few weeks or months or last year or two years ago. But your loss and pain is still very great. Whether your mom, grandma, aunt, or other special woman passed away recently or years ago, may God comfort you, strengthen you, and help you on this Mother's Day and in the days to come. My own dear Aunt Ruth went to heaven almost nine years ago, but I still miss her a whole lot, so I, I understand. Isn't it true that so often, so often when you have your own children, you tend to, to have a much greater appreciation for your mother and father? You tend to think, wow, Mom, you put up with a lot for me. You showed me so much patience and so much love. You probably have had those thoughts, haven't you? There was a mom pushing her shopping cart through, through Walmart, and her little girl was in the cart screaming the entire time. You've probably come across this scene occasionally. So her little girl was just screaming away as mom was trying to do her shopping. And then the mother was saying this. The mother was saying, Now, calm down, Ellen. Calm down, Ellen. Calm down. It will be all right, Ellen. It will be all right. Just calm down. It's almost time to go, Ellen. It's almost time to go. Not much longer. Well, one of the Walmart employees heard her and went over and said, Ma'am, you are to be commended. I congratulate you on how patient you are with little Ellen. The mom looked at the Walmart clerk and said, Lady, I'm Ellen. <laughs> I'm Ellen. <laughs> Ellen was calming herself down. Some of you have gone through that, haven't you? 1 Samuel in our Bible is about three great men. Samuel the prophet priest, Saul the first king of Israel, and the subsequent king David who had a heart after God's own heart, says the Bible. It's about three great men. But 1 Samuel begins with a woman who was initially infertile, but eventually had a son named Samuel who became a great priest and prophet for the Lord. Someone once said, when God wants to do a great work, he gets, he gets hold of a man. But when God wants to do an exceptional great work, he gets hold of a woman. And some of you ladies said, Amen. Our associate minister, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar, said, 
a double amen. There is actually some, some truth to that, isn't there? From 1 Samuel chapter 1, I want to say the following to you and share these truths with you. Number one, thank you. Thank you, mothers and all ladies, for persevering through many problems. For persevering through many problems. Hannah, who was the, the mother of the great prophet Samuel, persevered through many difficulties. Look at some of Hannah's heartaches. We actually begin to read of her problems starting in, in verse 1. Samuel 1, verse 1 says, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuth in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Hannah did not. So I want you to think of this, this fact. Hannah had a problem with infertility. She was initially unable to have a baby. The last part of verse 2 clearly says, Penina had children, but Hannah did not. We could easily overlook that statement, and we shouldn't. There's a lot being said in that verse. You see, it was the desire of every Jewish couple to have children, and preferably to have many. It was seen as a blessing from the Lord. The idea was you live on in your kids. In those days, they thought the more kids you could have, the better. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Psalm 127, verse 5 says, How joyful, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them, that is, full of children. In fact, childlessness was looked upon by many Jewish people as an affliction and almost like a curse from God. That's how many of them viewed it. Did you know that if a woman could not bear a child, it was grounds for divorce if in 10 years of marriage there was no child? Or, in many of those cultures, if a man's first wife couldn't have a child, then the husband was allowed to have a second wife. And that's probably what happened with Elkanah, Hannah's husband. Hannah's problem of infertility points to a common problem today, infertility. It is estimated that in North America, one out of every eight couples, one out of every eight couples cannot have children. That's about 12% of the population. They've gone to doctors, had prayer, were anointed with oil, but for some reason just cannot have a child. And for many it's a painful experience. And by the way, someone who works in a medical center which tries to help couples to have a baby tells me that more often than not, the husband is actually the problem. Just a thought. 
I want to be careful what I say here. Childbearing. Childbearing is a part of the sovereignty of God. I don't know why some women can have children and others can't. I don't know why there are so many pregnant teenagers, while married couples sometimes are not able to have children. However, I do know this. I do know this. Your value to God is not, is not based on your ability to reproduce. God loves you and you are of great value to the Lord for who you are, whether or not you can produce a child. Think upon that. Look at it on the screen. You, your value to God is not based on your ability to reproduce. God loves you and you are of great value to the Lord for who you are, whether or not you can produce a child. Some of you, dear ladies, especially need to hear that today and need to be reminded of it. All right? In fact, if you are infertile, you are in a long list of women of faith who are at some point infertile in their own life journey. Here's a little list. Sarah, Abraham's wife, was infertile initially. Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Rachel, Jacob's other wife. Ruth, the wife of Boaz, was unable to produce children in her first marriage. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. What I want us to notice is this. In the Holy Bible, oftentimes, the most righteous women were infertile. They were women of great faith, while many of those who could easily conceive were not so righteous. Now here's the point. Here's the point. Because a woman can have children, because a woman can have children, does not mean that lady is more godly than a woman who can't have children. That's something to keep in mind. One pastor says, if you can't have a child, it does not mean you are cursed. It could mean you are kept. It could mean you are reserved for other blessings. God might still be preparing, preparing you right now to be a parent in the future. Or God might be preparing you to be foster parents or adoptive parents. There are more children out there needing parents than parents wanting children. You would perhaps never have thought about adopting a child or fostering a child until infertility came along and now you are open to adopting or fostering. Isn't that so? Or God might be preparing you for a very special work which you would not be able to carry out if you did have children. There have, there have been some great women missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene that I've read about over the years who would never have been able to do work for the Lord uh, in the way that they were able to if they had had children. I wanted to say these things. Some of you might be wondering, why is Pastor Nick talking about this? I wanted to say these things about infertility because I've been coming across more and more married couples who are facing the issue and it's causing a lot of pain. 
And I hope that what we have just said is of some help to some of you. Well, Hannah not only had a problem with infertility, Hannah also had a problem with some people. Or I should say, some people, some other people caused her some problems. All right? One of her problem people was her husband's other wife, Penina, who was able to have children. Now I want you to notice how Penina treated Hannah, starting at verse 3. Starting at verse 3, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Here it is. Each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt, verse 6, Penina, Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her, had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Do you feel Hannah's pain? Do you feel Hannah's pain when we read in verse 6, so Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her? I'm sure you can feel it. Many of you recall your own pain growing up when someone made fun of you for something you had little control over. You remember that? As an adult, I've been six feet tall now for many years. But when I was a child, when I was a kid, I was, I was very short. And sometimes kids used to make fun of me for, for being short. That, that bugged me. It, it hurt, to be honest with you. I think it wasn't until I was around in grade seven or eight when I just really grew a lot. It almost seemed like I popped up over the summer, whatever it was, and suddenly I was taller, I was taller than most of those kids who used to make fun of me for being so short. By the way, some of the nicest people I know, women and men, are short. Amen? Yes, indeed. Others of you, as a child, a teenager, or as an adult, have had people make fun of you because maybe you were overweight, or you wore braces, or you didn't, um, you didn't wear the coolest clothes or running shoes, or you didn't have up-to-date hairdos. And sadly, some of you were made fun of because you were a child from a mixed marriage, or you lived with a single parent. Others of us were made fun of, including me, just because we were new immigrants. It wasn't just the, the second wife, by the way. It wasn't just the second wife that was a regular pain to Hannah. Sometimes her, her husband was also insensitive and said dumb things, dumb things to her. Look at verse 7 
and, and eight. Verse seven, each year, each year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Now watch verse eight. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? <laughs> what, a, what a statement, eh? You know, sweetheart, you got me, baby. You got me. What more do you want? <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. You got what you, got what you really want. You got me. <laughs> you know, if I said something like that to my wife, Cindy, she would probably punch me. All right? Isn't that right, Cindy? And Cindy hits hard. <laughs> uh, all right. Hannah had some people in her life who caused her some problems and a bit of pain. No, no, a lot of pain, not a bit. What about you? Do you have some people who are a pain? Some of you are thinking, you better believe it, Pastor Nick. I sure do. Let me ask you, Hannah had this woman who was her husband's second wife that caused her grief. In our culture, fortunately, fortunately, we do not have two or three wives. However, sometimes husbands, sometimes husbands get involved in extramarital affairs. And there is another woman, a lover, a mistress, whatever you want to call her, who is competing for that husband's love, attention, and money. It could be that the wife knows about her or doesn't know about her. Husbands, husbands, stop that extramarital relationship if it's going on. If that applies to you, stop it. It's time to say, bye-bye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Repent of your sin and be faithful to your wife. And some of you women said, amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, you see it on the screen, says, why don't you read it with me? Read it from the screen with me. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. All right? Read Proverbs 5, 18 as well with me. It says, Be happy with the wife you married when you were young. It's not just husbands who sometimes cause mothers problems. Sometimes it's sons and daughters who give mothers and fathers gray hairs. Years ago, a dear mother phoned me from outside of our church. She phoned me late one evening, very upset. And she said, Pastor, my son was just arrested for stealing a car, and this is the third or fourth time, and he's in jail. What should I do? Do you know how much pain that causes a mother 
and a father. In another different situation, a father outside our, our church phoned me. This is going back years, years back. Phoned and said, Pastor Nick, my wife and I are going crazy. Our daughter has been dating a guy who is in and out of jail. He's in jail at the moment, and she's madly in love with him, and we can't get her to break off the relationship. We're afraid she is going to get hurt, or, or she'll also be put in jail because of her connection to him. Can you please, can you please somehow help us? Can you do something, something? we got to stop her from continuing this relationship with this guy. Their daughter was in her early 20s. Unfortunately, I, I had known her since she was a little girl, and I had a good relationship with her. Of course, I prayed for her, met and talked with her extensively, and the good news is there was a happy ending. The Lord inspired her to break off the relationship with, with the problematic boyfriend. About five or six years later, she phoned me up and asked if I would officiate her wedding to another outstanding, law-abiding, solid gentleman. And uh, we, we had their wedding, of course, wonderful wedding, and, and since then they, they have several precious children and are very happy. Nevertheless, for months, that daughter had caused the mother and father a lot of unnecessary pain. Young people, young adults, watch what you do. Don't cause, don't cause your mom pain. Our, our daughter Amy, um, herself, she's been married now for nearly 10 years to a wonderful pastor. But when she was a teenager, she dated a particular young man who at first I thought was a nice guy. I thought he was a nice guy. Then when I saw firsthand how disrespectful and rude he was to his mother, I thought to myself, you know what? There's no way. There's no way I will ever let this guy become my son-in-law. If ever I hear them talking about marriage, I'll buy him a one-way ticket to Siberia. <laughs> That's true. Well, fortunately, fortunately they broke up. Praise God. <laughs> Children, teenagers, young adults, older adults, don't be, don't be a pain to your mother. Be a pleasure. Be a blessing. Are you? Am I? Let's be a blessing. All right, here's a second big thank you we want to express to you today. Secondly, thank you. Thank you, mothers and all ladies, for cultivating a relationship with the Lord. Hannah had a relationship with the Lord. How do we know that? Watch for it starting in verse 9. Okay? Watch for it starting... In, ver in verse 9, here's how the story further unfolds. <clears throat> Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, 
crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish. I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. Verse 19. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord one, once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. My friends, in these verses that we just read, the words pray, prayed, prayer, praying, pouring out my heart to God are repeated six times. People who have a relationship with the Lord pray. By the way, in verse 11, Hannah says, O Lord of heaven's armies, some of your translations say, O Lord of hosts. Do you know what that means? It means, God, you are the master the commander of heaven's armies. She was appealing to God based on his authority and sovereignty, based, based on his power. I want you to also notice how when Hannah first went to prayer, she was sad. She was very sad. Verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And then after extended prayer, verse 18 says, Then she went back to eat again, and she was no longer sad. No longer sad. And that's what prayer can do for you and for me. You can go from being sad to glad. Sad to glad. Hannah was a woman who had a real relationship with God. She was a woman of prayer. Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States, said, No one is poor, I like this, no one is poor who has a godly mother. Abraham Lincoln went on to say, he said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. I have heard many of you in our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family also Talk about how often you heard and saw your mother praying for you at different times in your life growing up. 
and also praying for you at different times of the day. Some of you talk about how when you were growing up, you didn't have much. You didn't have much. But you had a praying mother. You had a praying mother and or a praying grandmother. And to this day, you cherish their prayers, don't you? Thank you, ladies, for praying. In most churches, when there are prayer meetings, the reality is most of the prayer warriors are women. The larger number of prayer gatherings are composed of women. Men, we need to learn a big lesson from the ladies. Amen. By the way, ladies and men, if as yet you haven't cultivated, Hannah had cultivated a relationship with the Lord, if as yet you have not cultivated a relationship with the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day when you can start your relationship. You can start by asking for forgiveness of your sins, by believing that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. You can start this relationship by committing your heart, your life, to the Lord and say, Lord, I really commit, I dedicate my life to you. Make this Mother's Day a great day to start your relationship with the Lord if you don't have one already. This applies to you sons as well. Amen? Here's a third thank you. Thank you, mothers and all ladies, for keeping your word. That's right. Notice the promise Hannah made to God in verse 11. In verse 11, here it is. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. She promised to have him be raised at the place of worship, at the tabernacle. That's what, that's what she was saying to God. And then after Hannah gave birth to little Samuel, notice how she kept her word. Verse 24. When the child was weaned, Hannah Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Isn't that beautiful? Many of you ladies have kept your word in different ways, in different times. When you were growing up and you told your parents you would do something, you kept your word. And when you didn't, you, you felt bad about it and you apologized to mom and or dad. 
For those of you who got married and who are married, when you promised in your wedding vows that you would be faithful, you kept your word. God bless you. When you told your child or teenager you would do something for them, you kept your word. And your children, of course, often reminded you to do so, for they would say, Mom, you said you would get me that, or Mom, you said you would do that for me. When you told God that you would take on a certain ministry in our church, you kept your word. When you promised God you would give them, you would give tithes and offerings, you kept your word. And I, I commend you for that. Thank you, thank you for keeping your word. Let's continue to do that, whether you are a woman or a man. Here's a fourth thank you. Thank you, mothers. And all ladies were sacrificing. Hannah sacrificed. How did she do that? Well, in verse 11, when Hannah was praying, she told God that if he gave her a son, she would give him back to the Lord. Now, verses 24 to 28 tell us, we read them a little bit ago, tell us that when Samuel was weaned, she took him to the tabernacle in, in Shiloh, the tabernacle at that point was the main place of worship. When we talk about weaning, by the way, weaning a child, we're referring to basically a child, when, we, when a child transitions from going from the mother's milk to regular food. In Hannah's day, a child was usually weaned somewhere between the ages of two to six. Some of you are saying, to six? That's right, okay? The weaning process also involves some spiritual training as well, by the way. Now I tell you that to say that young Samuel was probably between two to six years old when his mother took him to the tabernacle, the place of worship in Shiloh, to be raised as a priest and as a prophet. In verse 28, when Hannah said, Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he, would, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, what she meant was, she was dedicating Samuel to God for lifetime service. That's what she meant. Samuel was no longer going to live with his mother and father. He was going to be living away from home at the tabernacle. Hannah had told God that if he gave her a son, she would do this. But I want you to think about how giving up her little boy would have been a great sacrifice for her. Those of you who have little children know how much you love them and how difficult it would be to do what Hannah did. I think of our son Jeremy and his wife who have a, a, a precious little three-year-old daughter who brings incredible joy to her father, mother, and to us grandparents, of course, as well. I think of my daughter Amy and her husband who have a five-year-old son who also is a great joy. 
for them to part company with their children, even, even for God's purposes, would be so difficult. It would be a, a huge, huge sacrifice. And that, my friends, is what Hannah did. Yes, I know she told God that's what she would do, and she is to be commended for that. But I'm just saying that would have been so difficult. Hannah would have been able to visit Samuel regularly, and uh, each year she brought him a robe just like Eli's robe, Eli the priest. And, and uh, the bottom line is he was away from home. He was away from mom and dad for most of the time. After Hannah left Samuel at the tabernacle to be raised as a priest and a prophet, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21 tells us this. It says, And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I, I somehow feel better knowing that she had five more children after Samuel, but I also know that no other son or daughter can really replace a child that is no longer in your home. The bottom line is Hannah sacrificed. And I want to say thank you to the many of you ladies who have also regularly sacrificed in your life. There have been times when you have sacrificed for your children, you've sacrificed for your husband, you sacrificed for someone else. You sacrificed for your church. And we say thank you. Some of you had a baby. Some of you had a baby who was colicky and you were up most nights five, six, seven times trying to comfort a son or daughter who was having excruciating tummy pains. And no matter what you did, your baby wouldn't stop crying. My wife Cindy and I went through that. Some of you gave birth to a, a premature baby and you were at the hospital day and night as long as the hospital staff would let you stay. You hugged and held and kissed and changed and fed your baby until he or she was big enough to be able to take your sweetheart home. Some of you were there for your baby who had to be in hospital for months and in the case of one precious baby this past year, had to be in hospital for over 16 months. Mom and dad were there for their little, for their little sweetheart. It's a sacrifice, but they did it joyfully. Others of you took low-paying jobs or worked two or three jobs just to provide enough food, clothing, and shelter for your children, and sometimes for a husband who was out of work. Others of you sacrificed your time so you could volunteer in a ministry in our local church or in whatever local church you are a part of. And many of you across the years sacrificed to give your tithes, building fund, or world missions offering. Our Aunt Ruth, as I mentioned earlier, went to heaven nearly nine years ago. But sometimes... And Ruth would say something like, Pastor Nick, I was thinking of replacing my old worn-out couch, but, but it's more important. It's more important that I give 
to world missions. Whether you are single, married, or divorced, with or without children, thank you, thank you for the many ways in which you sacrifice and will continue to sacrifice. And so today, on behalf of our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene staff, I want to say, and we want to say, thank you, mothers and all ladies. Thank you for persevering through many problems, for cultivating a relationship with the Lord, for keeping your word, and thank you for sacrificing and for so much more. We love you, and we appreciate you. May God give you strength. May God further help you during this time of COVID-19. Some of you, some of you have been working hard trying to look after your children who have not been able to go to school because of COVID. Some of you have had to leave your jobs either because of COVID or because of other reasons. But whatever is the case, may the Lord strengthen you and help you day by day. I want to pray with you. I'm going to keep my eyes open as I pray. Dear God, thank you for this Mother's Day. Thank you, Lord, for the dear women of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, whether they are mothers or not. Thank you, dear Lord, for the blessing that these women are to their families and to our Rosewood Church family. Thank you, O God, for the other women who are watching this service today, whether they go to a regular church or not, whether they are part of some other congregation. May you bless them. May you help them. And Lord, I pray, I pray for some of those dear ladies who have been married for many years and have a longing to have a baby, but for whatever reasons, it has not yet happened. Our Father, you know our prayer. Our prayer is that you would do in their bodies what needs to be done to give, to give that couple a baby boy or a baby girl at the appointed time. Bless them and help them and give to them a miracle. Direct their lives. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those dear ladies who, for whatever reasons, have remained single. Perhaps they are not mothers, but they are single, and maybe they will remain single. But we thank you for the joy that they bring to their families and to our Rosewood congregation. Thank you, dear Lord, for those grandmothers who have so oftentimes helped raise the grandkids. 
May you strengthen them and help them. And may, may all of us have a great sense of appreciation, O oh God, for our grandmothers, to cherish them, to do our best to look after them, to help them, and to encourage them. And so, Lord, may your blessings rest. May your blessings rest upon the mothers, the grandmothers, and upon all the women who are a part of our lives. And may you help us as sons and daughters to be a great blessing to our moms, to our grandmothers, and to other women in our family and outside of our family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. <laughs>